Okay, welcome back everybody to the Sunday Three Count Edition this week for the Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast. This is Aaron here, doing my best with a sore throat to record here, so I apologize if I sound a little bit odd today. I'm here with uh, our good friend, Mr. Silly Sellis. How are you on this Sunday? Good on this Sunday, but Aaron, I need your help a little bit because you and your wife have been married four years, right? Correct. Okay, so now I'm coming up on my first year anniversary. Yes, you are. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. When Thank is the when did you guys get married? Like April, like early April? It was March twentieth, but we had the March. second part in April. So if you want to say we have two celebrations, we have two celebrations. Sure. But March twentieth is the official legal date. And since it's coming up, I'm trying to look for something different, like a bracelet to get her and don't worry, fans, she she's not an avid listener to the show, so I'm not spoiling alert anything. <laughs> um, My wife doesn't listen either, so you're good. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it, it, she's. I'm, I'm trying to look for a bracelet that can have charms on it, you know, that can represent, like, one-year contracts with a little Colin Kaepernick pun um, that shows, you know, that what we did over the year. And I'm trying to think. I'm looking at things remembered, and I haven't looked at any, like, Zales or uh, K Jewelers yet. What do you think is a good idea for a one-year anniversary? I know you said you always do, like, trips around your anniversary yeah. as a celebration together. What, what would you suggest? <sighs> I don't know. I'm. We've never been the jewelry type. I haven't bought my wife jewelry since our wedding, um, just because like she doesn't really like wearing a ton of it. I guess um, not something not something too over the top because then you find it very difficult to top yourself in the coming years. <laughs> would be exactly. my would be my recommendation. But yeah, we do like trips and stuff. Like we went to New York City for a long weekend uh, this year before our anniversary, and we do stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, yeah, I, I'm not much help in the way of jewelry, but I would just say something modest, and I'm sure she would appreciate that, uh, whatever you do. And like I said, then you can top yourself in the years to come. That's my that's my advice. Gotcha. I'm always a fan of setting the bar low so they're never disappointed, you know? Hey, I, I was the same <laughs> way, but I want to make sure I'm coming correct for the first one, though. And that's actually a great segue um, for setting the bar low. I feel bad here. We're gonna. I'm gonna review the Ring of Honor 14th anniversary pay per view. That was. Um, it aired this past Friday night from Vegas. This the um, subtitle was "Winner Takes All." Mm-hmm. Um, I will. Okay, so I think I had more fun watching this than maybe a lot of people did, just because like I don't get to watch Ring of Honor as often as I would like. So I was really excited to see a lot of my favorite Ring of Honor stars. Leading up to us going to the day two uh, tapings in Dallas for Supercard of Honor during WrestleMania weekend. And I found myself underwhelmed and I actually like bought the pay-per-view on my TV. I paid for the standard def version because it's $10 cheaper than HD. Mm-hmm. And I, I grew up on standard def, so it's not like a big step back for me or anything. I'll, I'll tell you what I liked first, and um, this can kind of... I'll kind of there there might be a spoiler alert here just cuz I read the TV tapings that they did the next night. I think we're going to have some indications on where they're headed for when we're in Dallas. Um you're going to be okay. very happy by the way. I'll just start with the main event. I really enjoyed the main event even though it was kind of short. I think that they planned the timing of this pay-per-view very poorly. They they left like mm-hmm. 20 minutes including entrances for the main event it was a triple threat for the ROH World Title uh Lethal versus Adam Cole baby versus Kyle O'Reilly, and it started off slow, and they built to a really nice pace. Ultimately, Jay Lethal hits the um, a double lethal injection at the end 
and then pinned, I believe he pinned O'Reilly. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, yeah, I know he won via pinfall. There was a lot of really cool submission spots. There was okay. one point where Adam Cole um, has lethal in a figure four, and Kyle O'Reilly comes up and hits him in the face to try and break the hold. Um, Adam Cole keeps the hold on, sits up, and then flips him off. <laughs> so then Kyle O'Reilly jumps on him and throws him into an arm bar while he still has lethal in the figure four. And then there's another point where O'Reilly had, I think, lethal in a leg submission, and then Adam Cole comes up, and he somehow gets Adam Cole, I think this is how it worked, into an arm submission. So he has two guys in two different submissions at the same time. Jesus. I believe it was O'Reilly that was doing this because he's the MMA-based guy. I'm, I'm, I'm very confident I'm remembering this correctly. I just watched it like an hour ago because I kind of watched it on DVR throughout the weekend. I found myself going to bed really early all weekend because I've been sick. Um, but it was a really good main event for the time that they were given. I also loved um, we had the never open weight six-man champions. The I guess they're calling themselves the elite now, what was left of the Bullet Club. We had the Young Bucks. Mm-hmm. And Kenny Omega defending the six-man title against ACH, Matt Seidel, a.k.a. Evan Bourne, and my favorite, um, Kushida, who I believe is still the junior um, IWGP champion right now, unless I'm remembering that incorrectly. But they had like a crazy match. Like It was clearly the match of the show, and the show had been kind of lagging up to that point, so it was really nice to you know, have a super kick party. There was a lot of great spots. Um the thing that suffers from spot fest is that you don't really remember everything. It was just kind of one thing after the other, but exactly, exactly. A lot of stuff outside the ring. ACH is like criminally underrated for how athletic he is. Like he oh, makes he everything really look so easy, and um, it was a really fun match. the The elite ended up retaining, you know, rightfully so. I think I love at the end of the match they connected all the straps of the three belts and held it up as one giant belt. Nice. It was really, really cool. Um, the other match I think that you should go out of your way to watch, Okada wrestled Moose. Uh, how did that go? It was really interesting because it's just two different styles, but um, Moose looked like he definitely is not on Okada's level in terms of um, just being a worker because he's only three years in. We have to remember right. that. He's an ex-NFL right. player. He did this spot at one point where Okada is sitting upright on the top turnbuckle and Moose is able to drop kick him in the face, a standing drop kick, not a running drop kick. So he has like a crazy, crazy athleticism. There was a lot of spots over the guardrail involving Moose and Okada. Like Moose was in the air a lot more than we're used to seeing. Um, Okada ended up winning with the Rainmaker at the end. But Moose had a good showing, and Okada showed respect and did like the Moose chant with him at the end of the match. Um, so it was a face versus face match. Right? It was a face versus face match, and Moose is getting good reactions now. I know people were kind okay. of in some markets down on him, but he was definitely um, over with the crowd okay. in Las Vegas. It was just it was a non-title match because um, you're not gonna you're, you're clearly not gonna put the title on Moose because it's a Japanese title. You just not. Even though uh, Tomohiro Ishii has the ROH TV title and defended it successfully against Roddy and um, Bobby Fish in the opening match. Um, besides those matches, man, there wasn't a lot like 
to hugely to speak of. War Machine retained. Um, uh-huh. Tanahashi and Elgin are a fun tag team. They they beat the Briscoes clean, which I was I thought you'd see the Briscoes win on an ROH pay per view, but that was a decent match. Um, nothing else huge to speak of. Like nothing got like great reactions. There wasn't a lot of story. Storyline stuff happening with a lot of the matches. Some of it felt kind of thrown together. Um, it's the one thing I guess I, I I love ROH for the work rate, and the work rate wasn't super exciting like we're used to seeing on this right. pay per view. Um, and you know I, I a lot of my investment in wrestling is for the story, and like I'll take Fastlane for what Fastlane was any day over this, and that's not a slight against really? ROH, but it kind of is. Because WWE, you know, say what you want to say about them, but they can they they are putting together some really nice stories, um, long term sure. for a lot of their talent. You know, maybe the mid card suffers from a lack of that sometimes more than the main event scene. But we had two. If you look at Fastlane, two really great divas matches that both had a story behind them. The main event clearly had a story behind it. Um, the New Day thing was what it was, but at least it's advancing. League of Nations who had been kind of floundering for a while and um, absolutely you have those I haven't seen any of the videos yet but apparently New Day's putting out all these videos making fun of the League of Nations I've, I've, see, I've seen it but I haven't seen it yet so I do want to check into that as well yeah so so what I was excited to tell you was I they did that they always do a pay-per-view and then they'll do like four weeks of TV the next night yeah. in the same location for Ring of Honor so um Donovan Dijak is no longer in the House of Truth and, really? And he's gunning for that world title. That's nice. That's awesome because, you know, Donovan Dijak is a huge supporter of our show, always retweets us often, yes. has constant communication with us. So we are Donovan Dijak fans. I was going to ask you about that. A couple of wrestlers I want to ask you about. So we'll go ahead and elaborate more on that. Well, I guess he just um, he makes it known that, you know, he's done with House of Truth and on these TV tapings, he comes after Lethal and wants a shot at the title. Now, when we go to in Dallas, uh, apparently what I read today is that Supercard of Honor 10, the first night when we're at NXT, is not a live pay-per-view or an iPay-per-view. It's going to be a video-on-demand broadcast. Okay. So I don't think you're going to get all your pay-per-view quality matches there, but I would imagine DiJack versus Lethal is going to happen the first night. Right. But DiJack hasn't been featured on ROH TV a ton lately, so I'm excited that hopefully we're going to get to see him in some capacity on day two when we go to ROH in Dallas in April. So that's a thing. And it seems like um, the Motor City Machine Guns um, mm-hmm. reunited on this pay-per-view, and they're going after Kaz and Daniels. The Young Bucks and Kushida get kind of involved. I'm hoping okay. we see some New Japan talent. They seem like they're booking them for all their TV tapings and big shows. Kushida and Okada and Tanahashi all worked. And I think Ishii did too. Worked the uh, TV tapings. So hopefully they're going to be in Dallas to kind of appear on the back end of that. I don't see the point putting them on your TV if they're not going to be at the events coming up after that. Um, Hopefully Elgin's there too because Elgin is exclusive to New Japan now. Oh, wow. Okay. He signed a two-year deal there. He can still work ROH stuff, but he's more of a New Japan guy now. And I would love to see Michael Elgin. Um, But who else did you want to ask about? So let me say this about Moose though first. Just, just when you see it live in an action, Aaron, like this guy is legit wait. 6'6", 300 pounds. And even though you saw how he did that standing missile drop kick, 
when you see it live and in person, you just see how athletic this big dude is. Yeah. And it's, it looks even better in person than you could probably imagine on TV. But that's just almost so I'm, I'm going to let that, you know, food for thought for you when we get there. But three wrestlers I wanted to ask about how they were. BJ Whitmer, um, who I think is probably the best talking piece in ROH because he's when we went to Baltimore, me and two chains, he was the only one that did a promo mm-hmm. before any type of match. Uh, and I know he was on injury, and now he's working his way back in his wrestling. Now, now he, I, I heard he opened the show. How did his match He look? was the second match, the TV title second opened. Match, okay. So Adam Page turned on him. The decade doesn't seem to be a thing anymore. Um, BJ Whitmer went over. It was just kind of a – it was what it was. They they just, like, started this feud, like, two weeks ago on TV. Um mm-hmm. He didn't really cut a promo or anything. There wasn't the crowd wasn't super into it. It wasn't. I had to look it up to see who even won the match. It was kind of forgettable. Like, gotcha. you know what I mean? Um, but I on TV, Whitmer's amazing. He's such a heat magnet. So it was disappointing that this match didn't deliver in the way that I kind of expected. I think not having Colby Carino out there to draw a lot of that heat because he is yeah. the biggest. He's a big part of that story that they've been doing for. Gosh, man, what, six, eight months. Um, so it wasn't that great, but I love the stuff he does on TV with Steve Carino. Like, I really hope at some point Carino and him work a match. I know Carino just had surgery not that long ago on, like, his neck or his back or something. So I think that would be in the offing, like, maybe summer or fall. I don't know, how, like, how serious the surgery was. But it kind of was what it was. I was a little disappointed. But I'm still a big uh, Whitmer fan. Gotcha. Next wrestler I want to ask about is Cedric Alexander. Was he on the show? Okay, so in the in the um on T on ROH TV, I think it was this past week, there was a TV title match, and Veda Scott, who is managing him now, comes out and okay. tried to buy out the guy that was challenging Roddy mm-hmm. and said, I, I would like to pay for your spot in this match. For the TV title for Cedric, but the catch is that you have to leave Ring of Honor, and the guy told her no way, and then Roddy won the match. This was before he dropped the title to Ishii in Japan. Um, and then on the TV tapings, he kind of comes back back around, but Cedric Alexander was not on this pay-per-view. But he uh, is he's featured on the TV tapings coming up in a couple weeks. Because he's a great, great wrestler too. Like literally on pay-per-view matches might be better than his TV matches, but he really can work in the ring. Yeah, no like f- when he wrestled loose, he was awesome. I would expect we'll see him at the tapings that we go to in Dallas. Excellent. And the last wrestler I wanted to ask about, Dalton Castle. Was he with Silas Young in the match? He wasn't. They work like a big hardcore style match at the TV tapings, and I heard it was really good um, coming up here in March. I guess that'll air. Um, he worked Hiroki Goto from New Japan. Um, and he okay. actually he actually lost that match. Um, okay. It it was an okay match. Like it wasn't anything spectacular, but it was okay. The boys were awesome, and the you know Dalton Castle was his charismatic self. But again, nothing too notable. There wasn't really a story. It was kind of a lot of exhibition matches. It felt like on this pay per view. Gotcha. Which is why I kind of regret spending my money on it now. Is Fun as a couple of the matches were. I needed an ROH fix, and I had the time this weekend, so I guess I don't regret it that much. It was like thirty four bucks, but um, yeah, yeah, that was it. Kind of was what it was, but it, yeah, his thing with Silas Young seems like it. It kind of ends at the next set of TV tapings, from what I read. It was a very non detailed report from um, PW Insider 
So gotcha. maybe there's more to it than that. But it seemed like that was kind of the blow off. Maybe I would love to see Dalton Castle go after the TV title. I think that's a next logical step for him. Mm-hmm. I would like to think okay. that Ishii's going to drop the title back to Roddy soon. I prefer Roddy with the title and his Roddy mm-hmm. versus the World series of matches, kind of ripping off of the Cena Open Challenge. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. So that's kind of our ROH, I guess. Um, I'm still very much looking forward to going in Dallas. I'm excited to see the Young Bucks for the first time. I'm excited to see Cole, Lethal, All Night Express, you know, all the guys. I'm excited. Excellent, excellent. Um, So you wanted to talk about the Shane McMahon match. The Shane McMahon, which comes to topic two of our three count fans now. With rumors going around, you know, people are trying to get an understanding and sense of why is Shane even coming back? Why is the Undertaker fighting Shane in this uh, in this pay-per-view or WrestleMania in the cell? Is it something where Shane is not going to actually wrestle? Is he going to bring a wrestler of his own to fight the Undertaker? Is the Undertaker really going to be heel for Vince McMahon? Is it going to work because the Undertaker is going to be on Raw? So I know a lot of those questions are going to be answered, but the one question, which is the biggest rumor that I have seen, and I want to kind of ask you this, Aaron, to see what you feel on it. If Shane McMahon wins, it's been stated that they might go back to a brand extension. Now, let's break this down for a second. Uh, Universal Studios, which is uh, NBC, USA, the Sci-Fi Network, they're all working to one, but SmackDown has been taken away from the Sci-Fi Network to come on USA, mm-hmm. which makes both... You know, Raw and SmackDown both on the same network, one on Monday, of course, and one on Thursday. Now, it was stated as a little hint of a storyline that if you own Monday Night Raw, you really own all the wrestling, because that's really true. Monday Night Raw is your bread and butter of your TV deals with dealing with the network and everything. It's SmackDown, just like the, the B-paper, the B-pay-per-view type that you have to get some additional funds in. But if we bring, let's say, Raw back to two hours and go from 9 to 11, or even eight to a ten, you know, just back to two hours, and you. Have they'll to never do that, but I, I they'll never do that, but I, uh-huh. I'll wait and listen. Go ahead. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. And what, what do you think? If they go to a brand extension, would you be in favor of that? And like, say, bring back the WWE draft, and that way you have certain titles defended on certain show. Like, for example, the Intercontinental title will be the the main title of SmackDown, and maybe you have your tag team titles be featured on there, and then you have your WWE World Heavyweight Championship featured on Raw and then your US side on Raw are you in favor of that or do you feel like the brand the non-brand extension where we're right currently in should be continued throughout I guess even if Shane comes back well the reason I enjoyed them uniting the titles at the end of 2013 was that it meant the world title of that company meant Mm -hmm. more Um, Mm -hmm. so that's kind of like you're you're losing that because I, what I would see happening is if if you know Stephanie and Triple H took over SmackDown for example, right? They're gonna create their own world title and they're gonna try and go head to head with the champion on Raw. Like it's the exact same thing that happened when she took Brock Lesnar to SmackDown and then Eric Bischoff brought back the world title back in gosh what was that two thousand two, I think it was when they first did the brand extension, but. On the other hand, what what you had with the brand extension was that you had a lot more ample opportunity for exclusive feuds um, and storylines, which ultimately I think benefits the talent because you're creating more stars that way. 
Um, right. I just pulled up one of my favorite pay-per-views when the brand extension happened. It was um, a Raw-branded pay-per-view. It was Vengeance 2015. I vividly remember watching this at my buddy's house before I went off to college. I own this pay-per-view on DVD still. Um, let me just run down the card for you. So you had uh, Batista defending the world title against Triple H in the cell, which is one of my favorite cell matches to this day. John Cena had this was in the in the middle of the draft. They were doing the draft over a series of like five weeks, and you yep. had John Cena drafted to Raw as the WWE champion. They ended up moving Batista to SmackDown in the conclusion of the draft. I believe the night after this pay per view. But John Cena defends the WWE title against Christian and Jericho. Jericho was on his way out of the company at that point. Uh-huh. You had Michaels Angle 2 uh-huh. after their classic at WrestleMania. You had the Kane and Edge saga with Lita. So you had Kane versus Edge. Yeah. Uh, Victoria versus Christy Hemi, which I remember that having a story. I believe someone got like a vase cracked over their head as uh-huh. part of that story. And then you had Carlito versus Shelton Benjamin for the IC title. And Rosie and the Hurricane versus the Heartthrobs for the tag titles. It was a really great Mm -hmm. show overall. My point of why I bring this up is that I remember at least five out of those seven matches storylines. You know, talking about the ROH pay-per-view I just talked about, there was only like maybe a couple matches that had a storyline that I could really connect with at least or remember. Um, And you you can kind of get that here. And plus, like you said, it gives more value to the SmackDown brand because – you're forced to tune in to see certain titles, certain champions, and certain superstars that are exclusive to that. The one thing that I worry about is this Divas Revolution. I don't think that they have enough talent at the main roster level to have two different Divas champions. You remember they used to have the Divas champion and the women's champion. Right. Those were two separate titles. I would like to think that the Divas would be exclusive to Raw, and maybe you have the tags exclusive to SmackDown. Although taking the New Day off of Raw doesn't make a lot of sense either. It, it wouldn't because that's kind of one of your hottest things on there. Um, so Here's my, I guess, my secondary question that just going to what you said now. Remember when they still had, I guess, the two world titles and still part of brand extension prior to 2013. Yeah. This is where you had your elevation of... Edge did a good job promoting Dolph Ziggler as a mm-hmm. singles wrestler, and even Dolph Ziggler was a, a w, world heavyweight champion during that time, which is often forgot because he is a two-time world champion, um, even though it was a little sneaky of how he got it. Um, Daniel Bryan was elevated because he was a Money in the Bank winner at one time, and then he had the world heavyweight title. CM Punk was a world heavyweight uh, champion, and that's when his start to the rise came up, especially with a straight-edge society. So, and even Cody Rose, and I'm, and I'm plugging him back in, had great mid-card feuds with, like, Rey Mysterio that ultimately got his WrestleMania moment down at WrestleMania 27. So when we have these, like, and like you mentioned before with Vengeance, these storylines, do you really think that can, like, make the company, like, I guess, grow where you have more main event talent so you don't have to keep using these part-timers to fill these voids? Or are these part-timers what's bringing the money in for wrestling right now? No, I, I think... You're absolutely right. It is gonna it, the the part timers are good for the short term business because you needed to bring in someone like Shane here um, for WrestleMania, someone that fans like us are going to mark out for because there's not a lot of the current talent we're marking out for because they're so overexposed. We see mm-hmm. them sometimes twice, sometimes three times a week on a pay per view week. Um, 
Whereas if you had a brand extension, we might only see, you know, Kevin Owens once a week. And so when we see him, we're going to be more excited about that. Sure. Um, you're not going to see Stardust losing twice a week. You might see him actually involved in a meaningful storyline because there's going to be time to focus on a crop of like 15 guys on a show as opposed to focusing on 30 to 40 of them a show right. twice a week. So I think it's going to build up a lot more star power. And to, furthermore, it kind of keeps certain guys away from each other. So when you do see them touch gloves at a big – like a big four pay-per-view – like when they mm-hmm. used to do the cross promotional matches, like I'm thinking specifically Angle's uh, match with Michaels at WrestleMania 21, when we're finally like, okay, finally we're gonna get that match. Whereas like you might have seen them in like a six man tag together a thousand times if they happen to be right. on the same show every week up to that point. Like think of how many times you know Roman Reigns has been in the ring with Seth Rollins at this point. Exactly. You keep those guys exactly. away from each other until you build the, like that inevitable Shield triple threat at a WrestleMania. It's going to be more meaningful. So I hope they do it. I hope they do it. And the rumors have been coming out a little bit about it. And I feel like there might be some truth to that. But I, I'm just letting everybody know right now my pick for that WrestleMania match is for The Undertaker to lose. Me too. I'm saying it right now. He's, he, Me too. I don't see the point having Shane make a very specific demand for this match if he's just going to come in and lose. Right. It seems silly. Um we can talk about the ways Shane can pull off the W here. I don't think he's going to be the only guy in the ring with Undertaker that night. <laughs> um, I doubt it. But we'll, we can talk more about that on another time. Um, so Triple H is defending the WWE World Heavyweight Championship at this March to WrestleMania network event from Toronto. And this is coming up a week from, or I guess two weeks from yesterday as we record this, right? It's March 12th. Yep, March 12th. So, that's kind of weird. It's pointless. I mean, it's you, pointless you know he's, you know he's going to win. Right. And he's probably not going to fight anybody hard because, uh, in my opinion, Triple H is still an injury risk. So, you don't want to risk the chance of him getting hurt, especially since he is a part-timer and not wrestling on a week-to-week basis or even a, a day-to-day basis when you saw, include house shows. Yeah. So, I, I really think it's going to be just a glorified squash. Just I as do, a, too. Hey, I defended it. I'll well, see you at Mania. And it, no. yeah, I think it's it's a nice component to build. Um, I think it gives him time to knock off some of the ring rust because the last time he was in an actual match match was at WrestleMania last year. Yep. And that was even you could even say what you were about that was kind of a match, but it was a a, a glorified spot promotional fest in a lot of ways because you had like mm-hmm. ten different guys yes. in there. Um, I guess it kind of is what it is. It, I guess maybe it makes the network special a little bit more must-see because, like we said, mm-hmm. we haven't seen Triple H wrestle since WrestleMania 31. Right. Um, I think maybe you put him against a mid-card person that you're trying to establish a little bit. I would love to see him wrestle Kalisto personally. Ooh, that would be a good match. I think that would be really fun because then you, Kalisto can get in a few spots there and you know he can look good against Triple H. That would be fun. Who would you exactly. put? Who would you put him in there with? You know what? I didn't even think of anybody, but just by you saying Kalisto, that is great for both parties. Uh, Triple H gets the ring rust out, but then Kalisto can get himself elevated, and I hate to say this, more of that Rey Mysterio role um, to try to get himself. Maybe hey, one day maybe this guy can be a world heavyweight champion. Um, but you know, by him being U.S. champion now, it's a perfect mid card. It shows that he can really go in the ring. He really can wrestle in the ring. 
Um, so it, it does great for both jobs. It might be only a 10 to 12 minute match. Kalisto will get his spots in, as you said. And then we just go home happy with uh, Triple H winning the belt. So I, I really agree with that one. I would like to see Kalisto as well. They also have an opportunity here to kind of build other storylines. There's two that I'm thinking of. I, they'll never do this, but wouldn't it be something to put him in there with AJ and have Jericho cost AJ the match somehow to to maybe further whatever that storyline ends up being? But isn't AJ supposed to be dealing with Kevin Owens or touching during this match? Mm, uh, I know. I know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they did book him against Owens already, didn't they? I thought. I thought. No, so. you're I, right. I don't, I'm not guaranteeing it, but that's you're what right. I'm you're right, they did. The other option would be to have Sami Zayn take on Triple H because Sami Zayn's booked at that event and have mm-hmm. Owens cost him that match and feel insulted that Sami Zayn got a title match and he didn't. And then that's mm-hmm. maybe that's how you get to Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn at WrestleMania. If they choose to do that, I think they should. Right. Well, you got to bring out all the Canada guys, too, that are, you know, yes. Canada. So we're talking about Kevin Owens, talk about Sami Zayn. So they have to be spotlighted in Toronto. Yep. Yep. Even Jericho. Uh, he's Canadian as well. And you might have the Edge and Christian pop, you know, uh, during that time too. So you, you, I, I agree with you. Sami Zayn could be another good pick. Um, the only thing I would be concerned about Sami Zayn is, is he fully ready to be in a brutal match? That shoulder still kind of worries me. Um, he better be because you know, Nakamura is going to kick him in the shoulder a lot in Dallas. <laughs> right. So I want to make sure, like, maybe, maybe I'm just so injury cautious right now. I do not want to take chances on anybody getting hurt at any time, especially this close to Mania yeah. or the NXT pay-per-view that will be in attendance. I, I, I would expect the Raw, the go-home Raw for WrestleMania to be very promo-heavy. They're going to let oh, oh, anybody get hurt that week. Absolutely. So, well, I, I'm sure we'll learn a lot. I think they'll probably have to start building up that March Network special, special here on Raw this week. By the way... We're getting the um, the Sasha Banks Becky match at Raw this week, the number one contender okay. match. It's going to be interesting. Do you see one person coming out, or do you see, hey, draw? Let's put both of these girls in. What's, the story, the story seems to be the triple threat. It really does. So that's where I'm leaning. But if it ends up being one on one, I think we all know it's going to be Sasha. And the more yep. I think about it, I feel like Charlotte might retain at WrestleMania regardless. I, I could see that. They, see, they seem like they're really trying to build her up right now, and it would be more meaningful if someone like Bailey would come to the main roster. Maybe the that's how you spotlight her. She's the one that finally takes down the big bad Charlotte. I don't know. Yeah, I can see that happening on the road, and it's like kind of just like how uh, AJ G, AJ Lee, excuse me, lost the page the uh, the night after Mania. Yeah. Same, even setup. even then, though, I think they might wait and bring Bailey up way down the line. I could see Charlotte having to run with it all summer too. Have that would surprise me. Have her just beat everybody. Because um, you could get a lot of miles off of a Sasha chasing a Charlotte for a while. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I I think they need to establish Sasha a little more, just because she hasn't done a lot of storyline stuff until recently. I still feel so bad for Naomi because I feel like she should have a little mini run, even if it's like a two-week run yeah. as a champion, just for a quick second. But you never know if that will happen or not. And Alicia Fox, I think, deserves a better spot. Now that, oh, the, yes. now that the Bellas are both gone, she needs to find kind of new footing. Um, we'll see, People I guess. forget Alicia Fox was a champion as well at one she point. She was the first uh, African-American women's champion, if memory serves. Yeah, good pun for the second to last day of Black History Month. Aaron. Good pun. Trying to throw it out there, you know. Um, <laughs> there you go. B- before we go, I have something. I have a surprise. I'm not. I'm gonna. Okay. I'm gonna tell everybody what it is now, 
and then I'm going to uh, put it on a future episode of Big Old Belt when we feel like taking a day off. So I started making our playlist for the vehicle in Dallas of wrestling theme songs because I like to listen to wrestling theme music when I'm going to yes. events. So I started playing it a little bit, the one I made on my, my workouts. The thing about wrestling songs is that once you get past the part that you hear on TV, like the first minute, you 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 don't hear the rest of the song normally. And when you do play the full three and a half minute version, it's like just the same part repeated multiple times. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And that can be cumbersome because then you just have to sit there and press like the track forward button over and over because you're like, all right, next right. song, next song. Okay, so I made the uh, volume one of the Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast wrestling theme song mixtape. Awesome. And uh, I made it in GarageBand, and I, I whittled things down um, to, like, you know, increments, and I tried to fade in and out. So it's it's like a legit mixtape. I'm checking the file right now. It clocks in at a whopping. You ready for it? Yep. You ready for it? Hold on. My Mac's running a little slow today. At 58 <laughs> minutes, 58 minutes and 9 seconds long. Okay, do you have the Broods theme on there? I have the Broods theme music on there. Yes, okay, that's all I care about. And the thing is, I left room for us to create the volume two at some point. Um, okay. I, I listened to it on my run yesterday, and it holds up really nicely. I tried to put, like, whatever song comes next, I tried to make it so it made some sense next to the song in front of it. Like, I have a gotcha. about 30 minutes, 30 to 40 minutes, and I have an Ireland medley where you get the Seamus theme song, the Fit Finley theme music, and then the um, Finn Balor theme music all in a row. Is it the old Seamus theme or the new It's one? the new one. I actually, I, I'm going to put okay, the old okay. one on the next on volume two, but I'm going to put that out as an episode because we're not making any money off this, so it's not like I'm stealing money from anyone. Um, we don't advertise on this podcast yet. We'd love to advertise. Someone wants to pay us. Um, but anyways, look forward to the Big Gold Belt mixtape. It's the same mixtape we're going to be listening to in Dallas in our rental car that whole weekend. But we'll put that out there soon. Um, I, I'll give you a hint. AJ theme, AJ's theme music kicks off the pod or the the mixtape. Awesome. Um, awesome. My, my computer's about to die though, so we have to wrap this up so we don't lose our recording. I'm good. I'm good. All right. So uh, bgbgroup.tumblr.com at bgbgroup on Twitter. Facebook.com slash Big Gold Belt. Check our previous episodes out on our Tumblr page, bgbgroup.tumblr.com. And we'll get you guys with the Wednesday deep dive episode after Raw this week. Undertaker's coming to Raw. We'll have plenty to talk about with that, I'm sure. Um, so look forward to that. This is the Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast. Mr. Sellis, I'll catch you next time, brother. Yes, sir. All right, see you guys.